Ready to roll on a Tuesday night in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome in to the Nashville Soccer Show on 104.5 The Zone. Crews all here. Davy Shepard, Lucas Panzeca, I am Will Bowling. Lots to discuss, gentlemen. A win on Sunday afternoon against D.C. United. A game tomorrow night, a very big one, against Orlando City. And... MLS Commissioner Don Garber. Our sit-down interview with him coming up in about 10 minutes. Boys, how are we? Good to see you. Doing good. Long weekend. Missed uh, missed the game the other day, which I, I, I rarely do. Um, and another just outpouring of goals. I think the last one I missed was uh, the Hani hat trick. Uh, so well, I was not that one either. So I missed two fun ones. Man, so, you should yeah. uh, stop showing up to games. I guess that seems to be the, you know, uh, well, I don't show up to the away games, and those are the ones we have the problem. Uh, Nashville has the problems with. So uh, true. I don't know. I don't know. 5-2. I'm already going to, is this going to be another dark gloomy Nashville soccer show after three minutes because they gave up a goal on a set piece again, which we could still get into is still a major concern that uh, is a little bit unexplicable about this Nashville SC team, but they do get a five, two win. Uh, and they now gentlemen move to two Oh and five this season. When another team concedes first in Nissan stadium, pretty remarkable. Yeah. Pretty amazing. They've conceded first uh, six times at home and to, to remain unblemished seven now. Two zero oh, and seven. five was that seven five uh, draws. Yeah, so to, to stay unbeaten at home and and not just stay unbeaten, but the the run of results they've had at home recently and the manner in which they've won those games, it's pretty remarkable. I don't know if that's a stat that's tracked in MLS with the MLS stat heads, but man, I imagine Nashville would lead the league and wins at home after conceding. Well, and go and ahead could, and tweet out the answer to that whenever you you find yeah, it. Yeah, perfect. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> You could also add the Toronto game in there, too, if you just want to say comebacks when the team has trailed in Nissan Stadium. Another set-piece goal they went behind there as well. Uh-huh. Thought you were destined for a slow start again, right? That's what if, I mean, that was the third minute with Briant head, with that header, and I believe it was Jack Mayer again. Brilliant header. Uh, yes, a brilliant header by Briant. Missed opportunity there. And Tony Husband and Jamie Watson, they do such a good job, but I was waiting waiting for that from, from Jamie. But, uh, uh, but I guess it was Jack Mayer again getting on the wrong side there on the set piece, and you thought it would be a point of concern. You thought that hearing of here we go again, and uh, man, the way they opened up this game just once again, as good as the the result was, left you scratching your head about what we were talking about on Sunday with all these road matchups. For me, it doesn't, though, because Davey's been banging this drum before anybody else. This is just who this team is at this point. They yeah. show up against a team that's unbeaten in their last five, and then they no-show or just don't have creativity in the final third and miss tap-ins on the road against bad well, That doesn't teams. make it any less bizarre. No, I know. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> like is the, what it is, uh, like yes. The bizarrity is the – bizarrity is not a word. The bizarre factor. <laughs> We're making up words. That's it is not. That's just should be. The bizarrity of Nashville SC just is the norm at this point. I think I like that. 104.5 The Zone TV is where you can interact with the show. Twitch, YouTube, Facebook Live, and Twitter Live – Later on in the show, gentlemen, we are going to tease, as they call in the business, the biggest interview we have had on this show. Uh, And you should know how big of a deal this is to us and how big of a deal it is because we are literally about to play you a sit-down interview with the commissioner of Major League Soccer in about 10 minutes. So it's bigger than that. No offense to Don Garber. I think he would agree with me that it's bigger than that. Um, looking forward to telling the people about that. I'll go ahead and tell you where you can find this conversation. Uh, it's going to be tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. on the 104.5 The Zone podcast network. 
is where you're going to be able to find an exclusive conversation. That, gentlemen, you can only hear on 104.5 The Zone and on the Nashville Soccer Show. It's the norm that we are continuing to set, and I will absolutely take a victory lap about that. It is not Seth Blatter. No, it's not. It's not Lionel Messi either, joining us for an exclusive about his switch to PSG. So I'm going to, just heading back to DC United here for a sec. Please do. Uh, So... I made a statement pregame. You know that Twitter uh, dudes posting their dubs, right? This is this is Davey posting his dub. <laughs> well, uh, I just posted a dub for the yeah. show too. So, so uh, let's continue. Preseason, my prediction was Hani Mukhtar would be in the conversation for MLS Best Eleven as a playmaker. And I think right now, if you look at it on its face, he's the best center attacking midfielder in the entire league. Like if you if you remove names from the conversation and you just look at stats and you look at where those teams are on the table. Hani Mukhtar is the most important number 10 in MLS. Well, I think the injuries for equally good or better number 10s have helped. Sure. I think Columbus not being as good with Zellerian has helped. Pozuelo for Toronto has not been uh, the guy, obviously, that he was last year after starting the season injured. But we are where we are. (laughs) It's a decent shout. I mean, I, I think that Hani Mukhtar is showing us at this point, the consistent performances, the 7, 8 out of 10, game in and game out that we expect from a designated player. I think that is the floor of what Hani Mukhtar is at this point. If you are analyzing him in the most critical way possible, he's at least giving you the same performance every single game. Fair? And I'd have to go look at the salaries too, but I'd say he's at least one of, if not the best value designated player in the league. He's only on 1.5 million salary. Right. So when you go in and look at it from that angle, to be up there, I think he's fifth, fifth in goals and assists added. Uh, So, you know, fifth total goals and assists through this point in the season. When you look at how much more some of those guys ahead of him are making dollars-wise, he's an insane value when you're getting this level of production out of him. And uh, I I was saying in the group chat the other day, I even think a set-piece delivery is like a hair off right now from a level that it was earlier in the season. And he's still just like pouring in assists, pouring in goals. I know that one took a deflection the other day, but that was absurd. I mean, just uh, he's just playing with an insane level of confidence right now. And uh, it's really, really good to see if you're a Nashville SC fan. Nashville SC dominates in the expected goals. They dominate uh, on the field 2.57 expected goals to 1.25. Guys, the cynic in me doesn't want to go to this point, uh, but but I'm going to take it to this point. Nashville SC was gifted a couple of goals through just horrible goalkeeping. CJ Sapong's goal for me has got to be saved uh, uh, by DC United and by Kempen, who was just not good. Which one? Uh, the first one. The C.J. Sapong header um, that hits him square in the palms and and trickles in. Uh, and then um, it was Nashville's goal in the second half. Yeah, two should have been Alec, stopped. Alex, no Moyle. Alex, Alex Moyle. Alex Moyle's goal yeah. has got to be saved, too. And, yeah, then, agree. and then you're looking at a penalty that, you know, D.C. United kind of helped you a little bit. To me, I think D.C. was better than what the scoreline showed. Uh, their second goal is one of the best crosses I've seen all season. DC United's the ball in from uh, terrific Ariola from Paul Ariola. insane terrific. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, now that being said, uh, undefendable. It's, it's Kamara, right? Ale Kamara. Yeah, he, he really sliced and diced the center backs there. I think they could have done more. And then I think it speaks to the quality of the ball 
how frozen Willis looked. Without yeah. a doubt. Willis just looked like he had no idea. And I didn't really know what the ball was doing either. So I don't really fault Willis at all there. But center backs I would have liked to have seen more of. The ball yeah. was insane. It's, it's uh, the kind of cross that we're watching in the Premier League. Absolutely. Which just started Absolutely. this past weekend. But the difference, obviously, between Premier League and MLS, we talk about this so much, guys, is that center backs aren't leaving a guy open on a cross from that far away in the Premier League. <laughs> they do in Major League Soccer, which is why guys like Walker Zimmerman, who is officially uh, back for Nashville SC, uh, make a big difference in this team. But what's crazy is that goal gets one up just a few minutes later, and Nashville SC strings together 17 passes for no. what I would say is the, their best team goal ever. I was literally one about best, to say that. Say, is this the, the best, best goal ever in Nashville SC history? One of the best team goals be. in MLS this season. Absolutely, think. yeah. I think there's individual efforts that I would say I like more than that goal, but but team goal, no questions asked. I mean, 17 passes, all of your DPs, or uh, all of your uh, forwards touch the ball on yeah. it. I mean, just, mm-hmm. just great stuff. The yeah. only one I think is better is uh, Randall Ayal against Miami in the playoffs last year. I oh, would take yeah. that, that goal after. That was great. Over the rest of But, them. yeah, the fluidity, the pulling apart of D.C. United, uh, hitting on every corner of the field, uh, the amazing thing. And the ball in by Hani Mukhtar, first time, just trying to get it in and not, you know, concede. Uh, I, I can't even remember if that would have been a goal kick or a corner kick. But to get it in on the money the way he did. And then C.J. Sapong, four of his eight goals this season now have been with his head. Uh, and he just seems to know what to do with it, whether he needs to put pace behind the ball, whether it's just placement. And even on that first goal, Jamie Watson noted it really well, the way he kind of takes a, a half step back while the ball's in the air to allow himself to step into the header and get just enough power on it to get it into the side netting. C.J. Sapong, man, uh, I mean, that you can tell that's a guy that's spent so many years and has been a staple of this league. Uh, you know, half of his eight goals on his head, and he's in just incredible form, the best form he's been in in, in years. Not to uh, do what I do and go negative here, but uh, I mentioned DPs earlier, and there Full was shepherd. a uh, there was a DP missing from the match day squad. Yonder Cadiz is dropped. Daniel Rios is in and looks good yeah. in the minutes that he gets. He I good. think my text to y'all immediately was, "So Daniel Rios is back, yeah, mm-hmm. like back, back, very, very much so." Yeah, to the point where I don't think it's out of the question that he's in the starting eleven tomorrow night against Orlando. Yeah, Ben Wright said in, in his. Post game piece with Speedway Soccer. He looked lively when he when he went on the field. I thought yeah, that was a good way did. to put it because uh, he didn't have a ton of a chance to make an impact as far as scoring, but he looked lively. He really created that penalty kick uh, that that DC United conceded for Alex Moyle. By the way, on that note, uh, good for Alex Moyle, man. Uh, to when Hani Mukhtar's not on the field, I feel like that's going to be up in the air about who's taking that spot kick. And for Moyle to say, "Listen, I won the kick. I'm not going to get that many chances this season to score a brace." Uh, he kind of grabbed that, grabbed that position by the horn, said, no, I'm taking this one. So I appreciated that out of Alex Moyle. Good for him. And it was a decisive spot kick, slotted it well. Arsenal fan 83 on Twitch. Uh, no, no, this is not God. me. This is not me on Twitch. <laughs> He's got his burner commenting on the show. Says, too far, man. That cross for their second goal was brilliant right in front of me. Uh, you were correct. Absolutely. Spot on take from a, a, a guy that represents a spot on club. Stick around. <laughs> Eric on Arsenal Twitter. fan 83. Stick around. Stick around. Yeah. Stop it. Spot on club. Stop uh, it. Well, I would push back kind of on what you're saying about D.C. United comment. gifting a couple things to Nashville in this game. You could argue that... You know, some better goalkeeping could have been called for at times with D.C. But, look, Nashville outshot D.C. United 17-8 to in this game. They were the aggressor. They were on the front foot. And I know, like, Hani Mukhtar's goal takes a wicked deflection before it goes in. But anytime you're creating that kind of pressure and putting a team on its heels in that way, 
you know, I, I do think that you, you deserve those results, whether or not it comes from bad goalkeeping or a bad decision in the box. You're still creating those by putting on the pressure and shots and free-flowing. So I do think Nashville created its own success, even if D.C. United slipped up in spots. I don't think there's any question about who is the better team. Well, and I saw some oh, chatter I saw some chatter on Twitter and MLS. Hey, if Hamid's in this game, it's totally different. Well, it's like, well, if Walker Zimmerman starts this game, it's a totally different result. Yeah, I don't think Nashville concedes either you know, of its goals. I don't either, right. So it, it's, it's, it's 3-0 instead of 5-2. Or right. it is yeah. what it is. Or 3-1, right? Like, yeah, or, it just or is three, what two. it is. Yeah, I, I you mean, can play that game all day. Yeah, it's uh, Nashville, I think, uh, you know, good teams are rewarded with luck. Like that—that's the way it goes, you know. Yeah. I think luck is a result of hard work, and they just worked their butts off the other day. A better team on the field, no questions asked. Other thing they did, um, kind of in the shape they started in, guys. We were concerned about Nashville matching up man for man against Miami, who was in the same shape as Nashville, and Nashville didn't look as good. Uh, DC United put a three-four-three on the field. Nashville was in a similar kind of three-four-three and didn't have any issues. Yeah, this had the makings of a. Good free flowing game to begin with, right? Absolutely. When you have a like for like formation, and it out was there. good and free flowing. Sure was. I mean, both and, teams are going for it. Yeah. We uh, haven't hit on it hard enough. DC United's good. They're they're very they're good. Playing team. good soccer right now. They've, They've not not lost, lost in five games. Have yeah. not lost in a month. Um, uh, playing really well. The 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 injuries kind of start to sure to stack up again. I mean, Steve Birnbaum had to go off with a knock. He wasn't really very good when he was on the field. So I don't, you know, in in the story of this particular game, that certainly is not. Part of the story of you know, why he's a heck of a lost. player is that Gressel, dude. He's so good. He's man. a grinder. Yeah. That's an MLS grinder. Atlanta still misses him. Still yeah. misses him. Absolutely. Um, That's eight a playoff goals, team right now. Eight goals. Yeah. Eight goals in about 11.50 minutes for CJ Sapong this year. Look, uh, Matt Doyle wrote it in his, uh, his piece for, um, for MLSsoccer.com. I mean, Aki Loba's not getting on this team right now in the starting 11 at number nine. There's just no way you can justify it because the job that CJ Sapong does of always being in the right spot, but guys like his movement off the ball and his holdup play is, is just as exemplary as his goal scoring record right now. And, and to me, I keep going back to those final 15 minutes in Miami when Ake Loba's brought on. And, and this is, it's unfair to make this Ake Loba's identity. So I don't want this to be, oh, Will thinks that Ake Loba can't hold up the ball at all, so he shouldn't be starting. That People are going to take it that way, and that's not what I'm saying. I just think CJ Sapong is so much better at that part of the game, and the way Nashville plays right now, it's paramount to have somebody holding up the ball at the front of the formation. It, this team isn't built to have a, a striker running between the lines, pressing the defense like an Ake Loba right now. Well, Not with three in the back. Here's the deal, and, and this is going to go to like uh, the Pekka Soros argument, right? Uh, I think you got to ride the hot hand at some point, and I don't know that there's any guarantee that, hey, you give CJ a night or two's rest, that he comes back in the same exact form he's been on this season. This is a guy who's a little bit older, who knows what the legs are going to be like as the season progresses. Just get everything you can get out of him while you can, because you do have pedigree on the bench. Daniel Rios is a clinical finisher. Mm -hmm. Ake Loba is a high-dollar DP who is going to come good. So, uh, Yonder Cadiz aside, those guys are going to do well later in the season. you got to get what you can get out of C.J. Sapong right now, and, and he, you're getting a lot out of the guy. Wrapping up this part of the conversation, I think Ake Loba helps you more come playoff time when, A, you've got a guy who's a little bit fresher who hasn't played this entire Major League Soccer season. But B, when you have to do more defending and be more like a 2020 Nashville versus a 2021 Nashville, 
when you're bossing the game and are having so much of the ball, I, I almost feel like Yonder Cadiz or, or CJ Sapong, the, the bigger target center forward, is working better for this team when they're in three in the back because you have that fulcrum up top that's then playing out to Mukhtar, then playing out to Layal. When you're having to counterattack as quickly as you can uh, against a team on the road who's a higher seed than you in the playoffs, that's when I think Ake Loba is going to come in handy. And Ake Loba is going to get every opportunity. Uh, you, you certainly don't spend that much money on a guy and just bench him. for. Uh, he's not even being benched right now. He's got to earn it. I fully expect him to do that uh, probably sooner rather than later. All right, when we come back, uh, we will introduce our interview with Major League Soccer Commissioner Don Garber discussing the future of Nashville SC, whether that's physically in the new stadium, which he got a chance to look at, um, or uh, how Nashville SC has surprised Don Garber in Major League Soccer so far. Plus, is Nashville a World Cup city? Uh, Don Garber has a unique perspective on that. He will uh, give his take there. And after we talk to Don Garber, a big announcement for the Nashville Soccer Show. Our biggest guest yet. No offense, Don. Uh, we'll tell you who that is coming up next. Nashville Soccer Show, 104.5 The Zone. Oh, the fun is just beginning on 104.5 The Zone. With you until 10 o'clock on the Nashville Soccer Show. Looking forward to hearing our chat with Don Garber, Commissioner of Major League Soccer, who's going to give us a cool perspective on... Nashville SC and on the city of Nashville growing as a soccer town uh, and following the conclusion of that interview we will uh, give our takeaways from that and hear uh, about the biggest guests in the history of the Nashville soccer show coming up uh, tomorrow via podcast at 8 a.m. I always feel weird saying that because we haven't been a show for that long actually last this past week was our one-year anniversary I don't think your mic's on oh there you are hello whoa one year anniversary. We should have like we should have done something. We should have. We're both out of town. Should have gone on a date. So we'll make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> Fat to say. Well, hey, t- t- what you doing tomorrow night after before and after the national <laughs> soccer game? Um, all right, guys, let's get to this conversation. Major League Soccer Commissioner Don Garber sat down with him last week. If you've missed the chance to listen to the podcast, here is everything we had to discuss uh, with the head man in Major League Soccer, Mr. Don Garber. I'm Will Bowling, pleased to be joined today by Major League Soccer Commissioner Don Garber. A great conversation we're looking forward to have uh, about the future of Nashville, future of MLS, uh, and the future of, of course, MLS here in Nashville. Uh, Don, great to see you today. How are you? I'm doing great. It's been a, a whirlwind. Got in yesterday and toured the stadium, met with some staff, met with some fans last night at a cool bar, which was tons of fun. And now here in the stadium, uh, happy to chat with you guys. Well, if there's one thing we know how to do here in Nashville, it is cool bars. So that is certainly <laughs> the cool experience. That's why I didn't remember the name because I've been right. in so many cool bars. <laughs> I love it. Uh, hey, well, I, I want to start with the stadium itself. I know you got to take a look the other day um, at this new facility. Nashville SC fans, I know, are really excited about something this city is really excited about. What was your biggest takeaway from getting a look at the future of soccer uh, here in Nashville. Well, you know, the stadium's big, and uh, that's going to be one of its calling cards. It's the largest soccer-specific stadium in our country. That's number one. Number two, location is unbelievable. You know, think about uh, having a major league soccer team, Nashville SC, uh, build a privately financed uh, stadium with lots of minority contractors, uh, transforming a very, very legacy 
uh, an historic um, uh, property in the fairgrounds. Uh, so I, I think when you drive by it, you just see steel and concrete going up. And when you drive by it three years from now, you're going to see, uh, you know, I like to describe it as Gulch 2.0, you know, a whole new development anchored by an exciting venue, no different than all the other great venues that anchor lots of, of development and opportunity here. So it's going to be great. Commissioner Garber, you said yesterday at the stadium, we always had in our hearts that this could be a great soccer city when talking about Nashville. Specifically, what is it about Nashville that has led to that frame of thinking over the years? And how has the city itself matched up with those expectations now that we're about a year and a half into MLS in Nashville? Now, Lucas, that's a really good question, you know, because I think it's easy to say those things when you expand, right? You just sort of, it seems like it makes sense. You might have the right market for your television landscape or an owner that's really uh, ambitious. But, you know, here this was very much driven by wanting to be in Nashville. You know, as we are still an emerging league and we look at uh, growing our footprint, both in the U.S. and Canada, you want to be in places that sort of represent the future of a demographic that is really supporting our game. And that's young people. They're diverse. They're digitally native. Um, they, they are gl global and following you know, trends and particularly following the sport of football around the world. And all those boxes were checked in Nashville and we didn't have a team here, right? So then you start seeing what the NFL did with their draft and certainly the enormous success of the hockey team. And it just made sense. We were laser focused on finding the right owner. We did with John Ingram. Uh, John brought in a terrific CEO and, and Ian Ayers. And then we worked hard for years uh, with two different mayors and with the state to try to get uh, the opportunity to build a privately financed stadium in the fairgrounds. And uh, all of that leads to uh, what we've been seeing. Lots of fans, very passionate folks that care about the club, the team that's performing well on the field, uh, and management that is really focused on getting embedded in the community and doing good projects so that it's more than a club. It really is relevant and impactful. And uh, I, I can't think of... Uh, anything right now uh, that I would have uh, seen uh, that they could have done any, any better. They're doing great. So I uh, hope they can keep it up. MLS Commissioner Don Garber with us here on the Nashville Soccer Show. Uh, Don, you talk about the boxes that were checked and the expectations that MLS, that uh, I think this country and a league had for Nashville when they entered the league. Uh, whereas maybe Nashville exceeded some of those expectations here in the middle of year number two in Major League Soccer? Well, we don't have many teams that could attract 60,000 people to a, to a game, right? And, and that's what Nashville did in the beginning of 20, right before the pandemic. Uh, I think that they've done an amazing job connecting with the culture, the pulse of this city, which is music. And then getting Judah, who I met last night, you know, to do his incredible anthem and the Gibson guitar riff promotion that they have. Uh, so they've done things that I think connect the rituals uh, that make sport so fun and exciting with sort of things that shout Nashville. And, and clearly that's both Judah and, uh, and the guitar program. So I just look at the game experience and, and that was a perfect alignment with, uh, with what Nashville is. And then as it relates to going forward, you know, the, they're building a training ground that'll be about 10 miles out of town. They have an academy that's already built. So they have a sort of a, tri a, a triangle of the stadium, the academy, and their, um, their development uh, complex. 
all of those things will encircle this city and, uh, and I think make the team uh, more deeply connected and hopefully more relevant. On the field, this team has really built its foundation with MLS veterans, uh, guys like Dax McCarty and Anibal Godoy, who have certainly been around the block in Major League Soccer and, and had an expectation and a vision for what it would be like to build a team uh, within MLS. How pleased does that make you when teams are not only as successful as Nashville has been over these first two seasons, but are doing so with MLS vets and building with a core that has a lot of Major League Soccer experience? You know, really what, what needs to happen, well, the teams need to pick their own strategy, right? It's, no, it's what makes sport great. And in our league, you know, it, it is driven by parity, which is what the North American League uh, leagues are focused on. But, you know, when you think about what Ian and, and, and Mike Jacobs have done, you know, they made a decision that they wanted to build it around something that they thought would work for Nashville. So, you know, Walker Zimmerman was at our event last night. I mean, he was like a rock star. Uh, Dax McCarty is a guy that I think has got a great future either in your business or in the league. You know, a guy that's been around for so many years, even playing for our national team. So you have the veteran in Dax, and now you have Walker bringing home a trophy against Mexico in the Gold Cup two weeks ago. And, and I think it's smart. And I think they've made decisions about how they want to spend their money. They made decisions about players that they're signing, that players that ultimately people resonate with this growing fan base. And I'm pleased that we have diversity of, of strategy across our league so that somebody who might not live in Nashville but might live in the region who can basically maybe be a Cincinnati fan because they might be closer to Cincinnati or they might be an Atlanta fan, uh, but they decide to be a fan of Nashville even though they might be equidistant because they believe in uh, what this team represents on and off the field. To build off of that, you mentioned Walker Zimmerman and that Gold Cup title. Obviously, Zimmerman was out for a large part of that tournament with injury, was captaining the side before that happened. But as you see that version of the U.S. men's national team built by young MLS players win that tournament, beating Mexico in a final, what did that mean for you in this league? As Now you start to see European clubs starting to take notice of the young talent coming out of the States. Gianluca Busio, just one example, signing for Venezia and Serie A. How do you kind of try to strike the balance of appreciating that, but at the same time wanting to keep homegrown talent here? You know, there's really two things there. You know, the first is that, you know, good, good for the MLS players, average age 24, beating the senior Mexican team, proving all those people who said it was a second team, right? And yet, thank goodness for Greg Burhalter, the U.S. coach, saying there isn't a first team and a second team, there's one team. And both teams won championships against uh, the Mexicans in the Nations League earlier in the year and now in the Gold Cup. Uh, so I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of the fact that it wasn't just an MLS team, but it was a young one, average age, as I said, 24. At the same time, you know, in many ways, it's almost like you're, you're putting your players in a shop window and you have a bunch of young players that are performing well at the international level. And teams who've developed those players now have an opportunity to sell them generate that revenue that they can invest back into the club with however they want to do that. Invest it in their development program and get the next Busio or put it into signing an international player that might, you know, create uh, lots of drama and lots of excitement. So at the end of the day, football is a global market. We are both a buyer and seller of talent. Years ago, we were just a buyer. That's one-sided and doesn't make any sense. We were an outlier. Now we're kind of in 
the realm of the way all other leagues, whether it's the Premier League, the Bundesliga, Syria, or the smaller leagues in South America, that's the way they operate. That's where we're going to operate. Last one for me, Commissioner Garber, and we really appreciate you taking the time here. As we see Austin now having a successful expansion season, Charlotte on the horizon, among others, is there an ideal number of teams in each conference that would make you say, let's put a cap on it, at least for the time being? Well, I think the, the question really, uh, uh, the answer is really less about how many in each conference, but how many as a league total, right? The other right. leagues here in this country are 30 or 32 teams. The, the uh, first division football teams around the world are 18 to 20. So are already way bigger than the other leagues. Again, we, we play across the largest landmass in all of global football, across three time zones, multiple weather you know, zones. So we need to do that. We're across two countries in the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, 30 is where we'll be and, uh, and, and we'll be there for the foreseeable future. But who knows what the world looks like? And, you know, there's so much disruption going on in the global football market. Hard to say what forever will look like because forever is a long time. One last thing for you, Donna, we'll let you go. This has been a, a great conversation. I'll echo what Lucas said. We, we certainly appreciate it. I remember thinking back to before Nashville was awarded an MLS team and thinking back to Tottenham, Manchester City and Nissan Stadium. Uh, a Gold Cup match in Nissan Stadium that was Nashville's stage to prove that they were a Major League Soccer city uh, and a Major League Soccer market. Coming up in a couple weeks, it's USA Canada, uh, and the new um, stage Nashville has is trying to be a World Cup host site. Uh, how strong is Nashville's case to host a couple of World Cup games uh, here in a couple of years when that comes to, to the United States? Well, you know, ultimately the decisions made by FIFA based in Switzerland and right. Both markets here will all have committees, as does Nashville, to try to tell the story about why it makes sense for, in this case, Nashville to be one of those 12. You know, Nashville is a big, big, big event city. I mean, it's about as big event city as you possibly could have, evidenced by how well the uh, the race came off the other day. Certainly the NFL draft, which I thought sort of transformed big events for the National Football League. And then I look at the excitement around the Stanley Cup for the Predators. So, you know, there's no doubt that Nashville checks a lot of boxes. I think that what, what I would say to every soccer fan that's watching or listening to this show, go out and go to the USA-Canada game and show FIFA that this is not just a great city to have a party and have a great meal and, and catch a good concert, but it's a great soccer town. We've got a great team in Nashville, SC, with a big fan base, a terrific brand, but there are people that will come from all over the region, if not all over the country, to see an important game in the USA-Canada game early September is an important match for the U.S. So fill this stadium, do everything you can uh, to do that. I get the media, I get the government, I get everybody else that wants this to be a World Cup site to get together and say, let's fill Nissan Stadium so we can show FIFA what we'll deliver if we get the World Cup. Well, this has been great, Don. Uh, MLS Commissioner Don Garber has been our guest here on the Nashville Soccer Show. Uh, hey, enjoy the rest of the trip to Nashville. Uh, we really appreciate a couple minutes. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. So there is the Don himself of MLS, Don Garber, uh, with us. Uh, really appreciate him taking a couple minutes, uh, middle of last week, to talk with us. Uh, thought it was worthy of getting right to the people last week. So we went ahead and released it via podcast, which is something we're going to do again tomorrow. More on that coming up in a matter of seconds. Uh, but also wanted to give that the airtime it deserved uh, on this radio station as well. Guys, uh, anything big you took away from what Don Garber had to say with us? Yeah, he was he 
I apologize for the toaster I was recording out of malfunction. But, <laughs> uh, it was just a call to action there at the end, right? Fill up the stadium. Government officials band together. I mean, it, it, it was like an impassioned call to action about filling up the stadium. And in, and I think he's a guy that believes in soccer in Nashville. So, uh, just everything he said about the stadium and, and this club and its entry into MLS and kind of strengthened by that interview right there at I was impressed at how engaged he was there at the end about fill the stadium up, bring the World Cup to Nashville. It's up to you. First, I hate that I missed it by about 10 minutes. I know. Yeah, I, my I train arriving in Chicago. That was very annoying. Um, second, and this is a, a bit of a weird prediction, but here's what I think you are going to see happen. We've already started seen it start happening in the NFL. Uh, vaccine, vaccines required or negative tests required to mm. enter games. I think that weekend you are going to see U.S. soccer say to attend this match, you're going to need a vaccination or a negative test. And I think you see the Titans pick that up the very next week for their home starter uh, against the Arizona Cardinals. So that's just a little oddball thing that I think you're going to see happen. I don't think you'd see it nationally happen here very easily, but uh, it's the way to ensure people in the stands, the most amount of people all season long. I think it's a pretty natural thing. That's a good point, and we should have asked that. <laughs> Literally, that's why we, we got three that. hosts on this show right now. I here. know. Well, gentlemen, sh- should we just play the audio, the excerpt we have from this guest before we even say who it is? Is that something we should do? I'm, I'm taking a poll here. I think we should say who it is. Say who it is. <laughs> the his theater, voice Lucas. Is not, the his theater. voice doesn't give it away that much. The theater, <laughs> Lucas. We're sitting here talking about theater and radio. Um, coming tomorrow. At 8 in the morning, a.m. Central Standard Time on the 104.5 The Zone Podcast Network, United States Men's National Team Head Coach Greg Berhalter. With us on the Nashville Soccer Show, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, as well as The Zone Podcast Feed and the Speedway Soccer Feed, Greg, tomorrow... We're looking forward to it, guys. Yes. I mean, it, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I think here's the big thing uh, coming out of the summer that the U.S. men's national team has had. Uh, Will, I mean, me and you are probably up there with harshest critics the guy could have had. That's correct. But he answered the bell. He and so no matter what you thought of the hire, no matter what you thought coming in, uh, I mean, he said it himself uh, and, and we'll tease it. Uh, nine finals they've played uh, in the last X years against Mexico. They've won three of them. Two of them were this summer. He was at the helm. So uh, it's, I mean, a pretty impressive summer. And and look, I think, uh, you know, it's all left to do, though, right? Because if you, if you have the great summer and you don't make the World Cup, none of it right. matters. The, so, the right. biggest test is yet to come. We know that. But look, the results speak for themselves. He is the highest winning percentage of any full-time coach in U.S. men's national team history beating Mexico in two finals within a span of just a few months. He's he's turned a lot of naysayers onto his side, which really, I think, speaks volumes. But again, yeah, you're right. The big test is on its way. Anytime we talk with anyone uh, about soccer, uh, about U.S. soccer, a guest of this size, until there is a World Cup hosting list, this question is always going to be asked on this show, and it should always be asked of guests the size of, of Greg Berhalter and Don Garber. You just heard us ask Don Garber about if Nashville is an ideal candidate for the 2026 World Cup. 
And here is what Greg Berhalter had to say when we asked him that, which you can hear tomorrow on the Zone Podcast Network. Well, one thing I know for sure is is Nashville, along with you know other expansion markets, have come in and taken MLS by a storm with, with their atmosphere, with their energy, with their um, positivity. And I think that you know you want to play soccer in in cities like Nashville. Um, you know what I remember from that semifinal is we came out all over Jamaica, and then unfortunately there was about a ninety minute weather delay. Yeah, yeah. That, that you know that. We lost a little bit of momentum, but, you know, we were able to win the game 3-1, and a good number of fans did hang around. But, you know, we're certainly expecting to see more fans in the stands, um, you know, for the game in September. There it is. One of many answers that you can hear tomorrow at 8 a.m. Guys, I'm going to take one last victory lap here about two big interviews that we're talking about in the same show. If you want big, exclusive conversations, and if you want the most – down-the-middle Nashville SC conversation, this is your place to get it. Nashville Soccer Show, Tuesday nights, 9 o'clock, and immediately afterwards on podcast on 104.5 The Zone. We are excited. We are thankful for the opportunities that uh, have popped up for us. I don't want to toot our own horn too much without giving credit where credit is due, that we've got a good team. We've got good hosts here in this building, a fantastic producer in Lucas who hosts and produces at the same time, which is impressive. Uh, and uh, we want to thank you guys for helping make this show what it is. And this kind of is a anniversary of our one-year anniversary of the show and also just a, a thank you to the fans that have been along with us. We don't get interviews like Greg Berhalter if you guys don't watch, if you guys don't interact, if you guys don't invest in Speedway Soccer and now in this form uh, in the Nashville Soccer Show. So I will take victory laps because you guys have helped give us the platform to take victory laps. So not just patting myself and ourselves on the back, but patting you all on the back. Well, to the sponsors too, Brentwood Hearing Center, Fat Bottom Brewery, uh, where we will be for the Atlanta game next weekend, the 28th. Yes. Uh, you know that. Pitch invasions on deck. Oh, uh, good times on deck. So good right now. <laughs> Crowd's always good there, so make sure you make it out there. We'll do more giveaways, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, with the sponsors, the listeners, uh, it, it lets us do what we love doing, which is talk about soccer, and we get to do it every week together with a group of friends. So... Uh, yeah, grateful eternally. Any success we have is because of you guys. So I don't want to ever come across that we're tooting our own horns and saying, oh, look at how great we are. We're great because y'all have helped make us great. So we're grateful for that. When we come back, Arsenal was not great over the weekend. And I'm going to be forced to talk about that here into a microphone on 104.5 The Zone. Plus, Chelsea making moves. Yeah, And we're going to play each other again this weekend. And you're probably a lot more excited about it than I. I'm not that excited about it. We'll talk <laughs> after the break. After the break. Coming up next on the Nashville Soccer Show. One final segment of tonight's Nashville Soccer Show, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts at 10 p.m. tonight. It's Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. It's also where you're going to find Greg Burhalter waiting for you in the morning. A full sit-down with us uh, here on the Nashville Soccer Show. Um, got into a lot with him talking about... I think specifically the thing that stuck out to me was talking about Walker Zimmerman uh, and how he kind of fit, how he uh, has been there kind of since the beginning uh, of Burhalter's time with the United States. I wanted to ask him, why don't you put Walker Zimmerman in more competitive games? But that's neither here nor there. Premier League is back, gentlemen. Um, where where do we begin? Arsenal, I'm, I'm just going to start with Arsenal because – going to let you dominate it with, with... no i'm not going to dominate okay. it. i'm just i'm going to bring on air the conversation right. we're just having off air 
I don't know why people are surprised that Arsenal lost to Brentford. I say that as an Arsenal fan. All right. Well, no, this is where I put a stop to this. No, no, because no, no. a week ago, we're no. having a conversation where Davey picked Arsenal fifth. You're lauding the changes they made I in the offseason. Like I still it's like different. them long-term. It's a different long-term discussion because a lot of the changes they've made haven't been implemented yet. Like, Ben White was the, was it. Lakonga was it. Lakonga was playing beside Granite Xhaka. Ben White's playing between a statue and Pablo Mari, who has no place playing in He's the Premier bad. League for a good bad. team. He's horrible. And Callum Chambers, who is a statue at right back. Ben White had zero cover. Like, Hector Bellerin's bad, but at least he's fast and can, like, make up for mistakes when he makes them. Callum Chambers just makes mistakes. It's like, well, not going to get there. Anyway. So does uh, Odegaard change this team? I don't think it changes this team. I just think this team isn't deep enough to be competitive when it's hurt, and that's what it is right now. They're missing Lacazette. They're missing Aubameyang. They're missing Thomas Partey. Um, that, to me, is enough, right, that Gabriel Magalas, their best left-sided center back, aka back four, of Nuno Tavares, who I think is showing enough to be the starting right back out of position. For uh, we're, get, we're getting in the weeds here. No, no I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, no, I'm defending <laughs> why I think that long-term, I still think they can be better, but I, I didn't expect them to beat a team that was playing its first game in front of an insane yeah, audience. That's the bigger thing 74 for me. years. That's the bigger thing for me. I said before the schedules came out, I wanted no part of Brentford for no. Chelsea in match one. Uh, so I, I'll give you that. And here's the thing, why I, I, I still don't mind Arsenal. I think the best thing that could happen to Arsenal is Arteta gets canned. I, I was going to say, I think he's fired. Get a real manager. Months. I think he's fired. Conte's out there. Hire him. Yeah. Conte Hire him. or I, I think Ten Hag from Ajax would be the pick, and you bring Mark Overmars, Invincible, yeah. over to be the technical director too. Yeah. So uh, That's the problem is that Arsenal's biggest issue I don't think is Arteta. It's having a first-time technical director in the Premier League and a first-time Premier League head coach at the same time. Having Edu Gaspar put this team together for the first time ever, while you have a first-time manager managing a team for the first time ever, is not a good combination when you don't have an owner that's invested in winning. Well, if you thought it was bad Friday night, how bad did you think it was Sunday afternoon after Tottenham goes out there and beats Manchester City? That's a heck of a performance for a Harry Kane-less Tottenham. That, was, I mean, that, that probably seals <laughs> Harry Kane's fate of going to Manchester City. I saw City something now. said that really was a good game performance. between two teams that were missing Harry Kane. Why? <laughs> that's exactly I, right. <laughs> I like Son more than I like Kane in that team. Oh, I, that's insane! I, again, we're, I'm not going to get on this with he does. He does it's more. Just so crazy, dude. <laughs> Son is good. It's I, literally, I'm telling you, and I like you a lot. <laughs> it is as dumb of a sports take as I've ever heard. <laughs> what? what? Literally, what? Hey, what? the guy is like it's a top his, five footballer in the world, players. and you're telling they're me like players. the third best player on the team is better. I do than love Huming Son. I, I well, like the guy. Who doesn't like him? No, he's probably the second best. You're okay. right. I'll give you that. I'll give can you we, that. But can we take a moment to acknowledge that Davey and I's picks to win the Premier League this year looked by far the best They team did look good, Manchester United. Paul You're was 138th of the way to pick right. <laughs> did you see Sunas afterwards? He says uh, he says Greenwood was man of the match. And, and Micah Richards is like, Paul had four assists. What do you want the guy to do? Oh, Jaden uh, Sancho with a nice little entry. Good, absolutely. Uh, Bruno Fernandez bounces back from a rough Euro. Fernandez. Chelsea and Liverpool both look good as well. 3-0 wins for both of them against Norwich uh, and Crystal Palace, so nothing huge. Good to look, see a Pulisic goal as Good well. to see a Pulisic goal. It was nice, scrappy one around the yeah. net. And then uh, Lukaku arrives. And uh, look, Chelsea's got a pretty tough little start here. Away to Arsenal, away to Liverpool, home at Villa, away to Spurs. They always front load these big six games if, that first month. If you can navigate that as Chelsea with, uh, you know, say you, 
you get a draw and or two two draws and a win out of those three big six games, you're in really really good position heading into the rest of the season. Yeah, I probably say this every year, but I really do feel like we're in for one of the more fun title races we've had down the stretch at the end of the season really in a while. Be. Ben Wright said it in the chat the other day. It was 18 points between first and fourth last year. I think it's less than 10 this year. I think it, that's a fair point. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty tight. I don't see City running away with it like they did last year. Now, again, you, you bring in Kane, who knows? Maybe all the bets are off. But um, And I'll say this. it. I can't wait. When he that. sure looks like a man without a country right now. Uh, I mean... Kane? Yeah, he does. Like, uh, it's it's a weird. The the I thought Nuno handled the interview really well, post game and pre game. Um, but it's it's an odd little scenario. I can't stop. And uh, I mean, I'm so happy. We'll see. I mean, I, he's he's very good. Yeah. Like I'm, I he he's a very good player. Very yeah. good player. Yeah, very good player. <laughs> There's no way around it. Oh goodness. Um, Chelsea Arsenal this weekend. Look, Ben Wright on Twitter says five minutes in and Pogba hasn't been mentioned yet. Fraud. I said it. Oh, yeah, I know, no, I know, I know. But it's because once I, w- I was so sad <laughs> after Arsenal opened the weekend that there was no chance I was watching another second of the Premier League over the weekend. And that, I was also working, to be fair. I was on the air Sunday calling a track meet when I got a text from one of my Tottenham buddies. I don't know. I have too many of those. Uh, it's one of my best friends. Said, uh, sell Kane. And so I loved it. I was like, oh, great. Like, I guess you came around on it and didn't even know they were playing. At the, I knew they were playing each right, other, but right. I didn't know when. And I looked down after the broadcast over. I was like, oh, they won? <laughs> That's why you're saying so, okay. City, City kind of looked like a team without many ideas. And it goes back to the Champions League final against Chelsea. Yeah. Pep just toying with stuff maybe a little bit too much. Trust. And look, I hope Harry Kane helps. I think, I think Harry Kane oh. helps, but... How long can a 36-year-old Fernandinho cut it in the middle of the park it's for amazing, Manchester man. City? It's like, you know what I mean? Still I, I think he's great, and I, I think he's you know like a long-standing servant of the league and, right. and doesn't get nearly enough credit. But if you want to be the best team in the world and win the Champions League, uh, you got to have better than Fernandinho starting in the middle of the park. Fair points. Gonna we'll be, be back season. at it again. We uh, certainly will be back at it again next week to discuss how in the world Arsenal had 20% of the ball and beat Chelsea again. Plus, Nashville SC in Orlando. Going to be a big one, boys. Uh, coming up tomorrow night at the carpet on Cumberland. Ooh, I thought I just did something there. The carpet on Cumberland. Trademark it. Greg Berhalter tomorrow morning on your podcast feed. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. We'll talk to you next week.